Hello and welcome to the Big League Show. As always, I'm Connor Somerville, and today I'm on a new setup. Always joined by Incelifant, and we're joined by Kennedy Reed, first female uh, member of this sort of guest series that we're doing, and we're happy to have you on. So, how are you doing today? Uh, not too bad. Just been relaxing mostly, so ready to get going. It's good to hear. Good to hear. Aiden, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. Okay. I'm doing all right. Tough, uh, tough Leafs loss that I'm still trying to get over. But yeah, other than that, I'm doing okay. Um, quarantine still, obviously, but school's right around the corner and I'm excited to get going with that. Yeah, we're going to have a pretty sad call today considering Kennedy's a Pittsburgh fan and yeah. we're both Leaf fans. So you're going to hear a lot of ranting for sure. Um, but let's just sort of jump into who Kennedy is and get an idea of sort of the stuff that she's done. So why don't we start off with your early life and sort of what sort of made you fall in love with sport media and sports in general? Um, I think growing up, I always knew I wanted to work in sports. So I grew up playing hockey. Um, and when I was a little bit older, I got into lacrosse and rugby as well. Um, so my dad got me into sports from a very young age. Um, I think that kind of did it for me, had me watching hockey when I was young. He's an Oilers fan. So uh, I, I watched the Oilers a lot when I was younger with him and uh, eventually grew into a, being a Penguins fan. So, Yeah, this, so clearly we don't support good teams, any of us. Uh, <laughs> Oilers, Penguins, and Leafs. Oh, it's, all a, it's a rough go in my house right now. Yeah, uh, that is definitely one way to put it. Um, all the favorites that were supposed to win in the first series and they all get out. Now here we are. Yeah. Well, at least we can all go through this together, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's sort of get in. I guess, obviously, you started watching sports and wanted to sport, work in the sport industry early on in your life. When did you sort of find out about the sport media program and sort of what uh, piqued your interest? I actually remember the exact day I found out about the sport media program. I was in grade 10 careers and we were doing like career cruising and all that stuff. And I was just like looking into like, media programs and like sport programs and stuff and I found one this Ryerson program that was actually called sport media and I was like oh my god that's literally what I want to do and uh yeah from there I as soon as I found that I knew that was the program I wanted to be in and once uh, grade 12 came along I I applied and I put all the work into it and now here we are so what kind of work did you put into it? what kind of classes were you taking in throughout high school grade 11 grade 12 and I guess what were you doing outside of school as well to try and um, increase your shot at, at getting into the program? Um, I took uh, like communications technology. So that kind of got me into like the filming and the video editing and stuff. Most of it wasn't sports related, but um, it got that experience. And then in grade 12, I also took a sport marketing class. So that kind of covered more of like the business side of things. And when you combine them, it was uh, kind of basically exactly what we do. Um, and outside of school, I did like a YouTube channel. So like every week I'd recap like the week in sports and I'd post it and stuff like that. So I think that definitely helped. And I also was writing for the sports section in my school newspaper. That is quite the list. Uh, a lot more than I had for sure. Um, but let's get into that sort of YouTube and all that other stuff you did before getting in. What did you sort of take away from that and what was that experience like for you it was different um it was it was kind of hard because I did it all myself right so I did all the filming I did all the 
on-air stuff I did all the editing and um I actually had a lot of problems with it because my camera didn't have a lot of space on it so I had to like stop halfway through and like unload everything and then go back into it so it was an experience but um I think it definitely helped me to kind of learn just the basis of what everything is and uh be able to work from that so did you start that just sort of on your own was that sort of suggested to you by someone else in the pro currently in the program it was suggested so i went to the um what's it called like one of the tour days or whatever yeah and uh i spoke with someone there i think he was a second year student at the time and uh he said that you know there's a lot more work that goes into it than what it looks like and i was honestly really thankful for that because i never would have even known that you have to put all that extra work into getting in so after that i really made it my mission to do what i can and kind of put a lot of work and make sure that they knew I wanted to be there and that I wanted to be there for a reason. Yeah, it's something I was told to at one of the fairs. So I'd suggest if you are looking to get into the program, go to one of the university fairs and speak to a student and sort of get their thoughts on what they did. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard other um, examples of what people have done to get into the program. Uh, but yeah, I think that's really interesting that you started that channel and writing for the newspaper. Were you like the only writer or were there more than one? I was the only sports one. Okay. So did you yeah. cover... I, I, I knew guess... the... Yeah. Sorry, I knew the guy that like was running it. It just started like when I was in grade 12. So I didn't do it for very long, but I knew the guy that was running it and he reached out and asked me if I'd want to do the sports section. So obviously, as soon as I had that opportunity, I took it. Huh. That's really cool. That's kind of like what uh, Kyle Cushman said he was doing. I think he was getting more involved into like his school sports throughout high mm-hmm. school. So it's kind of like a trend, I guess. Um, yeah, I was just trying to build the resume as much as I yeah. could, right? Like any experience is any experience is experience. So, yeah. so what experience did you do outside of, of school, I guess, other than the YouTube channel? Did you do any other like writing or, or anything else to help you get in? Not really, honestly. I didn't really have much experience beforehand, which is why when I was like went to the fair, it made me panic and I kind of got really nervous and didn't think I was going to get in. So I, I kind of made the YouTube channel right after that and did whatever I could from that point on. Nice. Was this sort of, was the YouTube channel sort of just school specific in terms of your high school sports or was this like general NHL, NBA, et cetera? Yeah, like all sports, like NHL, NBA. I didn't, I don't think I covered any school sports. It was just all the big ones. Are you still posting on it? No. Well, not like that kind of stuff, but like stuff that I do for school, I will. Right, right, right. Cool. So in other words, you don't want people to find it. Yeah. Like you can't (laughs) plug it right now? (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) Honestly, I don't even know if those videos are still there. I might have deleted them. Okay. Oh, that'd be be sad. I might have deleted them and just started posting like stuff that I've done now that actually looks good. Hey, sure you got to show that progression though. Yeah. Even if it isn't. I, I hope you Fair. didn't delete them fully. You just made them private. Oh, oh no, I still have them. Okay, good. I still have them. Um, talk to us about the application process for sport media. How was the whole essay writing and, uh, and your interview? Who was your, uh, who was the person who interviewed you? um donna interviewed me actually a funny story about that um she knows a family friend of mine so i guess but we didn't know this like going in i just found out like because she asked me where i was from and 
she was like, oh, my daughter is married to the son of the mayor of Hamilton. And I was like, I live across the street from the mayor of Hamilton. And it, it was just kind of a good way to start it off, I guess. But um, no, the interview was really good. I was really nervous going into it. And I, I don't interview well, generally, like I get super like anxious and just panic. Um, so I wasn't sure how it was going to go. But um, it went really well, obviously, or I wouldn't be here. But um, and as for like the essays and stuff, I literally handed them in on the last day. It, it was freaking me out so much. And honestly, I'm really thankful that like I had my dad in that situation. He used to be an editor. So he like with all my writing, he helps me go over it, like goes over what needs to be fixed, what needs to be changed, everything like that. And he always fixes it up for me and makes it better. So glad I'm not the only one who has somebody do that for me. Um, <laughs> What, do you remember what your interview, or not your interview question, the essay question in person was? Oh, it was something about like an experience of, I think it was like your favorite experience in live sports right. versus at, like watching on TV. Okay. Yeah. I think I had I the think. same question as well. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. Huh. It's also interesting that you had Donna because um, up until... I think last week with Kyle, we hadn't had a Donna interview apart from oh, really? him and myself. Right. Um, yeah. I'm interested, did you apply to media production as well? No, I didn't. No. Okay. I thought that might've been the connect where people who applied to both might've gotten Donna because no, she I wasn't didn't. sport media focused, but I guess not. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Huh. Okay. Well, what have you sort of taken away from that experience and so like your experience so far at Ryerson? Honestly, I've loved it. Like, I couldn't imagine myself in any other program. I know, like I said earlier, growing up, I always wanted to do something like this. Um, so I've learned so much since I started. I think I speak for pretty much everyone in the program when I say I can't watch a sports game the same way anymore. I see, like, all the mistakes, everything now, because I know what goes on behind the scenes. But honestly, I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah, that is one of the plagues of our program, is you can't watch sports the same. Oh, we always yeah. nitpick the things that they do, really with any t live TV at this point. Yeah. Uh, what has been sort of your favorite course so far at Ryerson? Ooh. Has it been like the TV lab or sound production or whatever? I do like the TV lab. TV lab's really fun. Um, I think that just kind of gets you working in what is actually going to be like in the industry, like in the studio, in a group, like doing everything. I really like that. I really liked... Um, I took sport graphics last year or first semester. So I liked that one. It was pretty, pretty interesting, but also a pretty easy mark. Right. So that was, that was fun. And I liked sport media theory in first, first year with Curtis too. Yeah. Even though it was at 8am. Even though it was at 8am. Yeah. He made it worth it. Honestly, Curtis was a gem. Yeah. He was a great prof. He was a great prof. Oh, what is wrong with my voice? <laughs> um, let's sort of talk about what you've done now with Ryerson extracurricularly. Uh, so have you done any sort of like Rams Live or Spirit Live? Uh, I have a Spirit Live show, yeah. Um, I do it with four other girls in our program. It's just about like women in sport and stuff. Um, so we're actually trying to plan a way that we can bring that back like online, if, even if we just do it over Zoom or something like that. Um, so we've been doing that since I think second semester of first year. And then uh, I did some Rams live in first year. I did a lot in first year, actually. Um, I only did, I think, one in second year 
because I was commuting, which is, it's a pretty long commute to do late at night. So, um, but yeah. You talked about the uh, sport graphics course, and I know now you're, you're doing like a, a graphics thing on your Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, how is the experience in that course in sports graphics kind of helped you out uh, now making graphics uh, from home? I think it taught me a lot that I didn't know before. So like, I've always kind of had an interest in graphics. Um, I know when I was younger, like I'd make graphics on my phone and like, they were really bad, but I think like looking back at it, the interest stemmed when I was younger and it never really went away, even though, you know, coming into the program, I always had my mindset on being on air. And now I don't want to do that anymore. I want to focus more on like graphic social media kind of thing. So I think the class kind of just stemmed my interest even more, made me realize that I really, really like doing it and uh, just made me want to make them for fun. You're definitely not the only person who came in thinking they were going to do on-air TV stuff and sort of transitioned to in the back, uh, more production stuff. And for incoming students, be ready for that because you may come in thinking you're going to do one thing and it might completely change. It will, um, it will definitely change. Maybe. We're not, I'm not going to say definitely. Maybe. You may still love uh, on-air hosting, but yeah, true. Ryerson gives you that opportunity to learn and try to do stuff like that um, through experience. But let's talk about some of your experience and some of the experiences that you've had outside of Ryerson, not affiliated with it. Uh, obviously, you mentioned the graphics page. Have you sort of done any other work in the sort of sport media landscape? Uh, yeah, so last season, I actually had a volunteer position writing for the Hamilton Bulldogs. So I've been a Bulldogs fan for long time obviously my hometown team and like I love the OHL I always have so um, I think that was really cool got me right into the industry and um, I love writing too so um, they kind of right up my alley and it was a lot of fun oh, okay so you and Kyle Watson both worked for OHL teams or currently work for H for OHL teams have you two gotten in any fights yet no we haven't no we actually talk about junior hockey a lot, which is, it's nice because, you know, a lot of people are all like major sports and stuff, whereas I kind of lie, like my specialty kind of lies in the minor sports, so. So what, what can you tell us about the Bulldogs and what we should look forward to when the OHL season finally resumes? I think they actually have a lot to offer moving forward. They're a pretty young team. They have a young core, but uh, they have a lot of talent. And even last year they had, a lot of games that they ended up losing, but they were competing with some of the top end teams and they work hard. They can come back if they're behind. So I think moving forward, they have a lot to offer and they also have a first round draft prospect on their team for this year. So. And who is that? Jan Mishak. Jan Mishak. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll get some more thoughts on that after we sort of find out more about you. Um, All right. But what, yeah. Um, what has that sort of, writing experience being like working for a team specifically? I love it, honestly. I wasn't sure really if I wanted to work for a team or for a network. And this kind of gave me the experience doing it for a team. And honestly, like just getting to know like everyone in the organization, getting to know the players, being able to like do those interviews and kind of build relationships within the, um, the organization was a lot of fun. And honestly, I wouldn't change any of it. It was so much fun. And will you be continuing that in the future? I'm hoping to, yeah. 
I'm still, the site that I was with took a break for, because of COVID, there was like no interest in the site basically because there was no OHL news for months. Um, but they're hoping to come back up once it starts. And if not, I have another, like I'm writing for another site right now, just for the meantime. So I'll stay with them for the future and as well. Which site is that? Uh, it's called the Puck Authority. Oh, you write for the Puck Authority. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of them. I think uh, 49 Sportsnet. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. They're affiliated with it, correct? Yes. And I believe that's run by a first year student in is, sport yeah. media, Ben Steiner. Yeah. Uh, he actually reached out to me and like told me about it. So. Okay. Like he's the one that kind of helped me get into there. So. Huh. Yeah, he'll probably he'll definitely be someone we'll have to get on in the future because yeah. even though he's going he's into his lot. second year, he's done a lot. He's done a um, lot, yeah. I think and he's like the uh, the color guy for like most of the Rams games as well. I think he lives in BC, so he knows a lot about the Canucks. Oh yeah, yeah. He's done a I lot mean, of stuff. I know he follows soccer as well, so that's a massive plus for me. There you go, Connor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're in a one random Twitter group thing of young soccer reporters um but yeah we'll definitely get him on the future uh let's sort of dive into a bit more of your experience in terms of what you've thought about just working in sport media in general not necessarily for a specific um organization what has that sort of been like for you um i think it's it's been a learning experience for sure obviously like not everything's gone well but everything that you do you learn from right so I think even like just in school having the guest speakers come in they all teach you something it's really important to listen to what they have to say and kind of take any of their advice whether they're in a field that you want to be in or not or like in a position you want to be in or not um, they've been there right and they know what's what's good and what's not so I think just listening to them is really important and um, they've taught me a lot to be honest with you so would you say that's like the best advice you could give someone who is heading into the program or do you have any other um, information that people should know um, heading into like first year? I'd say keep an open mind. I remember Joe Recupero said like I went to it was like a thing where you could go and like watch the Rams game and like see behind the scenes of what happens in the studio and stuff like that and I went to that and I remember Joe Recupero saying, like, keep an open mind because everyone coming in wants to be on air and it's probably going to change. And in my head, I'm like, it's not going to change, but it changed. So <laughs> I think you just have to keep an open mind, be willing to try everything. And that'll really help you kind of figure out where you want to go. Yeah, you're definitely not the only student in that pool. Uh, let's talk quickly before we sort of wrap up the interview about your entire process of actually applying. What sort of was difficult for you? And then what do you think is something that somebody who is applying should know? I think for me, all the like application process came when I had literally like no motivation to do schoolwork at all. So for me, it was literally just making myself do it and like put time and effort into actually doing it so that it was good. Um, and also like, working hard at school and keep making sure I kept my grades up and everything like that. So I think that's obviously really important to get in, especially now with the no interviews and stuff, you have to keep your marks up in order to get a spot in this program. So. Yeah. yeah if it was definitely marks based, sorry, go that ahead. That changes the program completely. Cause then like yeah. you don't rely on 
the stuff you're doing outside of school. It's just strictly the marks. And I, I don't know if that's going to be like a, a concrete thing that they're going to keep doing, but uh, it's I really hope interesting. It's not. I was surprised when, when uh, I think it was, um, who maybe it was, um, maybe it was Joe who even told me that. And I was just shocked that that happened. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm just, I'm happy that I got the chance to really showcase what I could do beforehand. So if it was just strictly grades, like, like I had good grades in school, but I don't, I don't know if it was strictly grades if I would have got in. I think it was really like the interview and the writing process that really sealed the deal. Yeah, I don't think I would have gotten in with my grades. So I'm glad that that wasn't a thing when I was applying. Um, I don't know if they gave any sort of concrete reasoning for it. Have you guys heard anything like that? I think it said it was just like a trial testing, yeah. but okay. I don't, I don't know if it's going to stay like that. Cause hmm. like the thing with that is like, you might get some people who just don't really have an interest in sports. Like they're just applying yeah. to get into a media program and they have the best marks and they'll get in, but they, they just don't have that interest in staying in the sport media industry, mm-hmm. but they just want to go into media in general. But I guess they'll see what happens. Yeah. I know Joe said too. And like when I went to that, uh, industry thing he said that you have to have more than an interest in sports to be in this program like he's like it's not about being a, a sports fan it's about mm-hmm. wanting to work with the team because it's two completely different things yeah. and he said that you'll see a lot of people that don't make it through four years because it's not what they expected and I mean we've already lost a couple people in our year right so I think yeah, you're right. probably going to see a lot more of that I think we started with like 70 and we've already lost. I think we had 70 even. Yeah. I think we've lost like three, four. I think we've lost more than that. Maybe. Yeah. I think, I think we're at least at 65. It's interesting. Maybe, maybe less. (laughs) Yeah. We aren't going to do the math here because that would take too long to figure out. No, I'm not, I'm not counting. (laughs) But yeah, it's definitely when you come into this program, it's a trial period uh, for whether or not you do want to work in sport media And that's what you really have to keep in mind uh, when you come in here, because not everybody wants to stay. Like we had a guy, uh, I've told you we wouldn't do this, but uh, Spencer Snow, who was in the program for first year, stayed for the first semester of second year, and then switched into business. So it's never too late to switch if you're in that boat where you don't really think you want to do sport media. And you have to keep that in mind in terms of applying to this program. Finally, before we wrap up the interview and then we get into the actual sports, which I think we'll do a separate call for because we've been on this one for a while. Um, What is your biggest suggestion and advice to incoming students about this program and about entering the sport media industry? That's a good question. Um, I think, like I said earlier, just keep an open mind, reach out, uh, build those connections because that's really what's going to get you far in this industry. I know it sounds super cliche, but honestly, it's, it's what it's true. It's what's best for you. Um, So I think being able to like reach out to people, talk to other people in the industry, even like upper years in the program and profs, like all of our profs are great connections for us to have. So I think being able to keep those as connections and be, be able to use them in the future when you're looking out to get a job in the industry, I think that's really important. That's all right. Uh, Very good advice for incoming first years. Uh, 
We'll continue with Kennedy in a second, uh, but we'll also link all of her stuff down below, except for her YouTube channel because she doesn't want that on there. Um, but yeah, we'll link everything down below. So if you want to go check out her work, go and do it. Um, but yeah, let's dive into hockey and our depressed, depressed hockey teams. And we're back after that one second break, as Connor normally says. He's letting me do the intro right now. Uh, we're going to jump into some NBA talk and take a look at the Toronto Raptors and uh, looking at what was their early regular season uh, heading into playoffs. Um, they clinched the second seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, unfortunately, they could not pass the Milwaukee Bucks, but that's okay. We'll take the second seed in this one. Um, so yeah, just let's wrap up, I guess, the Raptors and their, I think, eight games that they played heading into the playoffs. Connor, I'll start off with you. What did you think of the Raptors um, throughout these eight games? They've just been very impressive to me. Apart from the one game against Boston where they struggled, they've done really, really well against some seriously good competition, um, whether it be the 76ers, whether it be the Bucks, whether it be all those, the Lakers uh, in their first game of the season. They've done, they've been very, very impressive for me. And to see the guys get back into form, whether it be Marcus Gasol, uh, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet has looked really good. Siakam as always is good. Uh, I think it's really promising to see just that improvement uh, with them and to see they're getting back into the flow of things. I think they have Brooklyn in the first round. Mm -hmm. So they're taking on a very depleted Brooklyn squad, which I like. Um, I'm not Rockers do have some history though with them and they do have some history success. although that was like six years ago at this point true um and all of those players have basically retired uh but apart from Karis Levert and maybe Joe Harris I'm not scared at all about them in the first round and I like having the second seed uh it's the really interesting first round is going to be Sixers against Celtics because mm. somehow they've matched up against each other and I'm really looking forward to that series. Um, but, yeah, Kennedy, do you have any sort of thoughts on how the Raptors are looking right now? Honestly, I haven't watched much basketball since it came back. But um, what I have seen, they look really, really solid. Um, I think they can definitely make a, a deep playoff run like they did last year. And hopefully they can win it all again. Yeah, hopefully. Um, that's big hopefully. They're going to have to get through the Bucks and <laughs> Tough one of competition, the but – it's huge that the 76ers and Celtics are playing right now because that's going to take out one of them and the Raptors don't have to deal with both of them at least heading into second round, third round, fourth round. Cause people were saying like, yeah, they might get the Celtics in the second round and then the 76ers in the next round and then the bucks. But now it's, they're going to have to face a weaker team, which is really beneficial for the Raptors. And they got the dub against the bucks in the uh, exhibition game or regular season game. I know Giannis wasn't playing in, but also the Raptors were missing, I think, Ibaka and Van Fleet in that game as well. So, yeah, I think anything can happen. Like, they have Nick Nurse, and he has a great game plan for any team that they match up against. So, I would definitely not count them out yet. Everything's kind of all up in the air right now. Yeah. yeah. It's really wide open at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, you look at what it the is. Phoenix Suns are doing right now. Yeah, they're, they're seven like undefeated, right? Yeah. They're going to go trying to go eight and zero tonight, which would be insane, and they might make the playoffs. Uh, it's like a three-way tie for the last spot in the uh, West. So the NBA is really heating up, and tonight's going to 
have a couple of really, really good games, uh, or tonight and tomorrow, I guess, as teams try to get into the playoffs. Um, let's sort of talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, if you didn't see what happened, and as you hear my dog bark, um, Giannis basically ha- uh, headbutted. Uh, I think it was Mo Wagner on the Washington Wizards, which was something. Um, he got suspended a game, which is the, their last game of the regular season. Uh, but I wanted to get your thoughts, both of you, on what you thought of the suspension and if you thought it was, like, was that deserved? Did he get enough? And why would Giannis headbutt a guy in the Washington Wizards? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that he should have gotten more games. I think if that's like any other player, then he would have gotten more games. Um, but like for Giannis to do that in a regular season game where you already know that you've clinched, I don't see why he was so like riled up in the moment and he was filled of, full of emotions to do that, like go as far as hitting someone in the head with his head like this is a regular season game like maybe in the playoffs you can you can you know do that but it's just I don't really understand why he felt the need to do that and yeah he should have gotten more games but just because it's Giannis and it is the last game before uh, playoffs the league didn't want to suspend him for more games because viewership will go down a lot if Giannis uh, doesn't play in uh, the playoffs. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Kennedy, do you have any sort of thoughts on the suspension and play? Um, I agree with Aiden. I think it is quite aggressive. Um, definitely could have got more games for sure, but like you said, it's Giannis, so <laughs> don't want to jeopardize anything that you know could affect the league. Yeah, it probably ultimately wouldn't play a factor in the series because at most I'd see it being like a one-game suspension. Um but I think he definitely probably should have gotten two because that was a blatant headbutt. Um, I don't know. It was just something that was a dumb decision in the moment, and he probably regretted pretty quickly. Um, but what can you do? Uh, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's the NBA. There's always going to be rumors around stuff being rigged and biases being there. Um, and I don't think right now they're going to want to suspend their best player for the playoffs because that's your moneymaker. And I think, I think also this play shows that like Giannis is still a very young, inexperienced player. Like I know he, his skill level is amazing. Like he's one of the best players in the league, but in terms of experience, like he would do that, but you wouldn't see a guy like LeBron doing that or like a KD or Steph Curry because they, they know they've been around the league for so long. They can't get away with that stuff. And, I just think it's maybe a lack of even leadership. And I don't know if the the Bucks will respond. I don't know how they will respond once uh, once Giannis does come back from the suspension. You know, some people might not have really liked what he did there. And it shows his character right now. So I think he still has a lot of room to grow as a person in this league, even though his skill is uh, still amazing. And he's still relatively young. We do have to remember that. He's only like, yeah. what, 24? Yeah, he's very maybe, young. and considering 
the fact that he's one of the best players in the NBA. I'm going to give him a little bit of leeway, but if he does this again, this might be a, a bigger issue. Um, mm-hmm. Let's sort of transition to another league who, to put it kindly, have botched everything. Um, the MLB has done absolutely nothing right throughout the entire pandemic and throughout this entire season, whether it be the handling of the Astros situation and the charging of players and suspensions of non-Astro players for hitting players and everything along those lines to infecting dozens of people on your own teams because you decide that travel is okay, which we'll get into that debate in a second. One of the rumors that I saw uh, on Twitter, I can't remember who was the one who sort of put it out there, is that the MLB is considering doing a bubble for the playoffs. I just want to know how ironic you find it that the MLB is choosing to do a bubble for the playoffs and not the season. I think they're realizing now that they should have done a bubble in the first place, so they're just trying to cover up in some way. Um, I don't even know how that will work. Like, They would have to take maybe a 14-day break after the regular season ends and then head into playoffs like 14 days later so that people can be in quarantine and because they've been traveling all over the country. Like you can't just put them all in a bubble right away. There's going to be positive tests. Um, So yeah, I mean, I agree with everything Connor said, like this has been a disaster for the MLB and the whole Astros thing. And yeah, it's been really, really bad and and mishandled by uh, Rob Manfred and, MLBPA is also to blame for this. It's both parties that you can blame. Yeah, I was going to say, putting them in a bubble for playoffs is almost counterproductive. Like what Aiden said, you'd have to quarantine for 14 days beforehand or else the whole bubble is just going to be infected. And the whole point of having a bubble is kind of out the window. But honestly, I think altogether, Manfred just needs to be doing a better job. He's not taking ownership for anything that's happening. He's blaming his players. He's blaming anyone but himself and it's this whole idea was all his idea to begin with so none of this would have even happened if it was done right in the first place it's just been a giant giant disaster really is the only way to put it um the mlb really if they were smart would have just canceled this season and said look this is impossible um we know this is going to hurt us financially in the future but we're also not going to take the biggest pr hit potentially in modern day sports, um, maybe only rivaled by the NHL during their lockouts, but it's the MLB. They were dying as it is. So at least they're getting back in the headlines for something. Um, Let's dive into another issue that is arised in my favorite league, but it's not going to be about necessarily the league. It's going to be about what they are doing. MLS has basically given the okay to states that allow team or states that allow fans in stadiums. They're allowing their teams to put fans in said stadiums. So, for instance, last night uh, the regular season re-kicked off after the MLS's back tournament finished uh, with the Portland Timbers beating Orlando um, City. Yeah, Orlando City. Uh, Two to one on Tuesday night, promptly starting up with FC Dallas against Nashville Wednesday night in Dallas with fans in the stands. 
Why is that noteworthy? Because Dallas and Nashville were the two teams that got so many cases they couldn't play in the MLS's back tournament. So they give Dallas the okay to then have fans in their stands. What are your thoughts on fans being at games right now? And do you think it should be allowed? Um, I'll let Kennedy go first on this one. <laughs> um, Switch it up a bit. I, <laughs> I think it kind of depends, to be honest. Like, I know I was at work a couple weeks ago, and um, one of the guys I work with was watching a soccer game, like, over in Europe. And they had fans in the stands. They had 10,000 fans. The capacity was, like, 80,000 or something like that. So I'm like, okay, like, you know, not too bad. They can stay distance but then he said they're all in the same section so I'm like that's kind of defeating the purpose of being at like eighth capacity so I think it it depends on how many fans you're allowing in the stands definitely not full capacity but I don't know there's so much happening right now I don't even know what what should be happening and what shouldn't be happening (laughs) the only difference I see in terms of that is it's happening in Europe where they have the cases relatively un- under control, That's as a opposed fair point. to <laughs> the United States, where they're having the states, like tens yeah, of thousands of cases yeah, a day. Yeah, absolutely not. Not in the states. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't think there should be fans allowed in the stadiums. Like, I don't know why they are even considering that. Like, is, is it for the players? Is it for the fans? Is it for just to make money? Yeah. Yeah. yeah just for the money right it's all yeah money. it's just for the money but you got to think of safety first and like i know the players as well might might want fans but i think even um like mitch marner he was saying or he was asked the question like um did having no fans kind of like impact your play um throughout the five game series and he said no i didn't even realize that there were no fans like we we're just focused on the game but i don't think they should be influencing uh, or the MLS should be influencing like the players' um, performance, I guess, um, because there there are no fans in the stands. Um, but yeah, safety first. There should not be fans in the stadiums. I don't care if they are are distance. I think like just play it safe and and just don't do it until everything is cleared. And especially in America, <laughs> especially in America. And last night they did play the anthem, and both teams and referees kneeled for it. And one of the FC Dallas fans threw a water bottle at them. So, yeah. It's already just crashing and burning. Reggie Cannon put out or answered a question in his post-game availability, and I'd recommend going and checking that quote out. But to that FC Dallas fan, screw you. Uh, nobody likes you. You are not welcome in this league if that's what you're going to do. Uh, but that just shows that there is still that understanding our misunderstanding around what kneeling is during the anthems and everything like that. But we've talked about that numerous times on this podcast, and we're not going to dive into it again based on one idiot doing a stupid act. Um, Let's move on to something more positive. And I look at our sheet and there's nothing positive. Yeah, I was going to say. (laughs) Um, I guess we could talk about something positive in terms of the Columbus Tampa marathon. Uh, which I don't know if you two saw. Yeah, I did. Well, that was fun. I didn't watch the whole game. I was actually in my pool when the game started, and I wasn't really expecting to see any of it, but I, I watched the, the fifth overtime after dinner. Wow. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the fact that you said after dinner is what's... After dinner, nuts. yeah. I was in my pool when it started, then I 
I got out, I ate dinner, I, what did I do? Oh, I made a graphic, and then I watched the fifth overtime. So, the fact uh, that you had enough time to swim, make a graphic, and eat a meal in the time that yeah. that game took to finish is just yeah. insane. Yeah. Like, I don't Seth Jones, I just have to give him a round of applause. He played oh uh, 65 minutes and six seconds. He played an, over an hour in this game, which is unhuman. Um, Victor Hedman played over 57. Eunice Corpus Salo made f- 85 saves, just decimating and, the previous record. And, and they still lost. And they still <laughs> lost. Um I said to my dad when they were going into the fifth overtime, if we, I lost, like if I was in this and I lost, I'd just quit hockey. <laughs> like I just wouldn't play it. Like that's brutal. Yeah. I think they're playing again in like two hours. So we might get another yeah, marathon. Those poor, poor guys. Um, <laughs> no, I, 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 was, I was watching it because um, I, we're doing a fantasy playoff draft. We're like, so our, our fantasy regular season got postponed, right? So we're continuing it now with, with the playoffs. We're just doing it in like an Excel sheet. And I have Vasilevsky on my team. So that was why I had to watch it. So I was like so into every overtime because I didn't want him to let in the goal because that's a loss for me. I don't want to take the loss. I need the win. Um, so yeah, I watched, I think I watched um, probably the full game, to be honest with you. I think I watched literally the entire game. Um, I was on a Zoom call during the fifth overtime though. And the goal went in when I was on the Zoom call, but I was celebrating a little bit. That is crazy. So yeah. you watch that. And then, that's like six I, hours. Of- I switched TVs as well. I watched like the first four <laughs> periods downstairs, went up for dinner and watched like the next two periods and then came back downstairs to watch the fifth one. <laughs> My God. <laughs> yeah. That is mental. Yeah. That game was insane. Cause it was, insane. Too- it wasn't just boring hockey too, right? It was chances back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. And then Carolina Boston went to double overtime the next morning. Yeah. Yeah. The game Which, was postponed due to extensive overtime. Yeah, postponed yeah, another game an hour. <laughs> it was nuts. Did you guys think that that should have been a penalty shot? You know what I'm talking about. No. In the fifth overtime? No? Honestly, no. Really? I, don't know, I remember lost. even that. I think Cam Atkinson was, I think, the guy who got taken down. Yeah, it was like, Victor Oh, Hedlund yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Um, the way I saw it, it looked like he didn't like wrap his arms around him. He didn't grab him. He pushed him and then swung his stick to get the puck. He didn't really like grab him at all. I, I think so I don't know what the call would have been. Holding, yeah, I think tripping. It, I, I was watching it and like I knew right away they wouldn't call a penalty shot in the fifth overtime. But I think, like I think it could have been. Like if if it was just in like I, uh, I regulation, think it could have been. I, I think it was regulate regulation. It's definitely a penalty shot. But, but but then Easily. at least at least the penalty. But like the thing with penalty shots, like refs are so, like they don't want to call penalty shots. So that's like a big big thing. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on the angle that you see it at. Because like one angle looks like he grabs him, another angle looks like he just kind of swings a stick around and pushes him from the back. Yeah. Like a, I don't know. It was weird. I think it should have been, but. I also wanted Columbus to win that game because Carpasol made 85 saves. Um, the fact that they don't call the same penalties in overtime, I think is stupid. And you should call the game the same way you call the games in the regular season. 
as you do the playoffs, as you do in playoff OT. Um, hey, Pittsburgh and the Habs had an overtime penalty shot. That's they have two? True. One was in regulation. Yeah. All right, yeah. That was one for each team, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they both, but the Habs they both was missed the net? Yeah. <laughs> Connor let's, not talk, and, let's not talk about and it. Drew and, no, I was watching that game. We'll get we're gonna get into Pittsburgh I Montreal was also in a second. Watching that game. Okay. Well, I I am an ex Penguins fan. Like I I am like Pittsburgh's my second favorite team. So I was kind of invested okay. into that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Interesting. All right, let's do Pittsburgh now then, uh, because we've sort of transitioned Yay. to that topic already. Um, yeah. What did you think about this series? Are you worried, Kennedy, about the Penguins? Um, I'll ask you more questions as we go on, but we'll start off with that. We'll start off easy. (laughs) Okay. I think they need a coaching change, first and foremost. Um, I saw tweets today talking about, like, it was players. It didn't say what players it was, but players criticizing, like, coaching moves, uh, GM moves, stuff like that, like some trades. They were like, I don't know why we did that, stuff like that. And just looking at them on the ice, like post-trade deadline versus the first half of the season, they just don't have the same drive that they used to playing under Mike Sullivan. So, yeah, I think he needs to go to that, start it all off. Uh, I was not expecting that. Yeah, I wasn't. Um, expecting- I I think okay. I don't I don't see them moving on from Mike Sullivan just because. You got to remember this guy won back-to-back cups like not too long ago. He did. And That's why I, I think he has like a looser reign because he won back-to-back cups, but I just, mm, I don't see keep, the same drive out of this team anymore. Keep in mind, they did lose Phil Kessel, who was a big part of their playoff success in those yeah. two years. Um, in terms of the trades, I didn't mind the Jason Zucker trade. I thought that was a good I didn't, for them. I didn't mind that one. That was, they actually said that was the one that like was good okay um i think they gave up a little bit too much um but like galchenia can go i think one of kaylin addison or the first rounder can go but i think both was a little bit much for him but especially like i don't know i think that was a little too much but i'm not really complaining because i like zucker um and then who else oh the cahoon for Dominic Cahoon for Sherry and Rodriguez too much. I don't know why they got rid of Cahoon. I liked him. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I, don't I know guess he is I an upcoming the... free agent, isn't he? Who? Sherry? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That was kind Cahoon? of Cahoon was young. He had like a lot of good talent. And they traded a decent defenseman for him, so I think That's true. He definitely could have stayed. Okay, yeah. so speaking of defensemen. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on Jack Johnson? Do we want to get into this with me? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, we do. We definitely do. Okay. I can't stand Jack Johnson. We're just going to start with that. Um, I want him to be traded right now. Fair. Good luck with he that. Makes, fair. He makes me want to rip my hair out. Another fair statement. We'll just yeah. start with that. Um, yeah, I just... Oh, my God. I don't... I find a lot of the time his defense partner that he's with always looks consistently bad because they have to cover both sides of the ice. So I feel like he's overlooked because his partner is always just as bad as he is. So 
I think he's the main issue. He's the main problem. He never does his job. He was brought in to be a net front presence, and he's never where he's supposed to be. Um, I saw a thread of why Jack Johnson is the problem, and it was just screenshots of where he was on all the Habs goals that he was on the ice for. Hmm. And he was never in the right spot. Um, so, yeah, that's where I stand with Jack Johnson. So you're saying Jim Rutherford is wrong, and it's not Justin Schultz who's the problem. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. That's a bull take to disagree with an NHL like, GM, but okay, I don't even like, mind Justin Schultz. I don't think I don't think Justin Schultz played well in the playoffs. Like I'm not saying he was good because he definitely wasn't. No. But I think it also starts with Jack Johnson. Because anyone who plays alongside him is bad. But he's Sidney Crosby's friend. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awful. I I, ne- I never got that contract to be honest. Yeah, no, nobody I, I wasn't happy with it, like, from the minute it happened. And uh, the Penguins haven't won a single playoff series since he got here. He is uh, minus eight in eight playoff games with them, so. But plus That's minus, fun. I don't I don't really like I know, plus minus. I, know, I don't like plus like, minus either. But, like, when the same defenseman is on the ice for, like, all your goals against, yeah, might tell you something. We're That's used true. to that with uh, CC like, and yeah, yeah. Gardner. Like it, like it. It's Gardner's a little it's like, Yeah, it's one thing if like he's on the ice for like a bunch of goals, but he's also like scoring a lot of goals. Mm-hmm. But he's not. So it, it's he's not just really, doing neither. Do you think it's possible? Anything. Do you think it's possible for them to trade that contract? No. <laughs> so they could just buy him <laughs> out. Don't. I guess they should just buy him out. They should. They really should. I disagree. I think they could trade that contract to a team like the Ottawa Senators who need to hit the floor at some point, but you're going to have to throw in some very, very nice pieces uh, in order to entice the Ottawa Senators to take that contract. Honestly, uh, throw in like Matt Murray or something. Jeez, throw in one. Matt Murray. I th- okay, I don't want... I don't two-time want Stanley Cup winner. <laughs> I, think, I, think, okay, I think Murray I might get to. traded as well. I do yeah. think that the Penguins prefer Yari right now. Do I, I? I like Matt Murray. I do like him. I think a team like even Toronto, even Toronto could. Okay, we're gonna get we're gonna get, get into that in a second. So save your thoughts on Toronto, Matt Murray, links. Okay, uh, that'll be after the little break because we only have like eight minutes left in this call. Okay, I do want to ask another question. Are we still continuing? Yes. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, we're still oh, okay. continuing. Do you think? <laughs> that Jim Rutherford will trade one of Malkin, Crosby, or Latang. No. He said I really hope not. He wouldn't. I really hope not. But I – no, I don't think he will. Um, I don't think their window's over just yet. I know Crosby said it might be, but um, I think all three of them still have a lot to offer. Um, they're all still putting up points. Obviously not, like, in their prime, but – you have to look at like Sidney Crosby's stats. He hasn't had a season under a point per game in his career. So I, I don't think he's really declining. Um, same with Malkin. Like he's still putting up just as many points as he did when he was younger and in his prime. So um, I think especially those two, they definitely have a lot to offer going forward and there's really no need to trade them. All right. And we'll touch on the goalies afterwards because I think we can tie that back to the Leafs. Mm-hmm. stuff very well um let's get your thoughts on 
the Penguins getting rid of every single one of their assistant coaches. Right. What did you think of that move? I think Mark Recchi makes sense. Um, I think Gonchar definitely should have stayed. I think he's done a lot for the development of a lot of young defensemen. Um, Jock Martin, I think he could have gone either way, but I, I think he could have stayed also. He's also been pretty solid for the whole team. So I think it was a little bit extensive, but, you know, I guess got to do something after this disappointment. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, think, I was sort of torn on that. Sorry, go ahead. I think I, I think I agree with Kennedy. I think Recky should have been gone. I think Gonchar, they should keep around, even if it's not as an assistant coach, like still keep him, keep him around because he is a good mentor for these young defensemen. He played for the Penguins during his career. He won a Stanley Cup. And yeah, he's a big um, part in developing a guy like John Marino this year. Um, you see Ricola who's coming up. Um, and just, like, helping improve guy like Brian Dumoulin as well. Um, Jacques Martin was kind of surprising to me just because he was also a big part of their cup run in, in 2016 mm-hmm. and 2017. And he's a veteran guy. He's been around the league for so long. Um, he brings in a lot of experience. So I was kind of surprised about that one. But at the end of the day, it's probably just what Sullivan wanted. Like he's the guy who would ultimately make the final call on his coaching staff. And he probably saw something on the bench where like, Hey, I'd prefer another guy here. Um, I don't know what he's looking for. Maybe a guy who's more motivational or maybe just didn't like the strategies that the Penguins are doing on the penalty kill or, or power play because the Penguins power play was awful in the, in the playoffs. So I think that's maybe also what kind of made them panic a little bit and and made a move. But it is a lot. It is a lot to get rid of three assistant coaches all at the same time. Um, And it didn't seem like they put, like, they probably did put a lot of thought into it, but it it seemed like it was so quick. I know their contracts, like, expired in the end of June. Right. And they, like, just extended them for playoffs, and then they just didn't do anything after that, so. Yeah, it's interesting to see what they've done and the fact that they have done made this move uh, so quickly, even after the sort of playing round. Um, in terms of Crosby, Malkin, Latang, I don't think they're going to get dealt. You know, Crosby is thirty three, Malkin's thirty four, um, Latang is constantly broken. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do this off season. I think Rutherford could potentially make some moves, which we will talk about after this break. All right, let's dive into the goalie situation at Pittsburgh right now, because there is a lot of drama right now around what's going to happen. Um, earlier in the off season, I want to say early July, Jim Rutherford went on the 31 thoughts podcast and said he would be open to keeping both goalies, but with their salary cap situation. I don't know if that's feasible right now. So I want to get a Pittsburgh Penguins perspective and what you want them to do and what you think that they will do. So what do you think is going to happen with the goalies? We're going to lose one. I know we're going to lose one, um, whether it's now or to Seattle in the expansion draft. Um, I think it's inevitable at this point, whichever goalie we don't protect is going. Like we have a Stanley Cup champion and an NHL, NHL all-star 
So honestly, either way, you can't really complain. Um, I like them both. Um, I think Murray has a little bit more value to trade um, just because he's been around a little bit longer. Um, so I'd like them to actually make a trade this year instead of just lose him for nothing in the expansion draft like they did with Flurry. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's probably the, the best option moving forward because there's no way they're going to be able to afford them both. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Where do you think if they do trade him, uh, Murray, what do you think the return would look like? I don't know. Hopefully a defenseman. Would you like another goalie? We'll send you another goalie. I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess that could work too, actually. I don't know where the other goalie would come from. Like, like for in yeah, our we, organization. Yeah. <laughs> we got a goalie. No, I mean, I mean, we like got one in, that's going to be a UFA too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like in the Penguins organization, like I don't know who would back up Jari going forward. AC DeSmith. Mm-hmm. Eh, okay, I mean, that, you're going to do that when we had Michael Hutchinson as a backup for Okay, months. fair point. Fair point. You can get away no, with only know. having one goalie. Yeah, I know. I don't know. It's it's weird. I don't like I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the Penguins like it very much either. They'd probably like yeah. to keep both of their all-star goalies. Um, Would be nice. Well, I think that'd be very nice. Um, would you be open to a Frederick Anderson for <laughs> Matt Murray straight up trade? Straight up? Huh. Um, I mean, I don't really... Um, I don't really see a point. Like, well, you get a goalie who's guaranteed to make only five million for a year, who has been playing at an all-star level, frankly, or yeah. that's in a borderline level for the past three to five, three on, seasons, I guess. On a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, who has no defense whatsoever, so he'll be used to playing in Pittsburgh. Like, there yeah. won't be a change. Yeah, it'll be better like, in Pittsburgh. Point, I feel like the point of getting rid of. Murray would be so that Jari can start. Hmm. Uh, I guess I've sort of looked at it as though as you're saving money because I think Murray will probably make. I mean, definitely that, definitely that too. I don't know if he will make more than five, Murray. Yeah, I don't know if he's twenty-four and won two Stanley Cups. Like, yeah, but maybe six. Six, six mil a year. I said maybe six, but I don't know if he'd make more than five. Like, I'd say he'd top out at six. We'll happily huh. take him if you want to give him up. Like, we have some extra forward depth. You know, you could have a Andreas Janssen on one knee. We'll give you back Casper uh, Cap. And- I am not. I don't know. I don't know if I want him back. Like, really? Good, wait. Well, okay. Like he's a good player, but like off the ice, yeah. He hasn't been stellar really. off the ice. I, mean, um, I don't know if I want that kind of. You like have, Sidney Crosby to mentor him. You'll be fine. Have Andreas so Con- instead. What, then. What's the trade that you're proposing, Connor? Uh, I'm doing Murray for Anderson straight up, ideally. But I don't think, know. If you think Dubis do does that? that? You, no. I think he does because he gets someone who's younger, and they're right. not going to resign Anderson next year, in my opinion. Um, and he's a guy from the Sioux. Yeah, and you, he, you look at the fact that Anderson is over 30. He's going to want a ton of money. I think he, he's a good – I think this is a really good option for both teams because if Jari doesn't work out, if, say, this was one some 
just a really weird year where he had some crazy, crazy good games. Uh, I think Anderson has a stopgap in case something goes wrong around that. And if he Jari is who he is, you can just let Anderson walk next year is the way that I look at it. And, or you could flip him at the deadline even. You know, you look at is what, Anderson going to want to come in and be a backup? Well, he'd be he'd come in probably be being the starter, unless well he would he wouldn't have a choice first of all because I don't think he has an, no trade clause, um, but he would come in probably as a starter. And if Jari still plays to the level he was playing at, I think they just flip Anderson to Calgary or no. Edmonton. I don't see that happening. I think the Penguins Chicago did it with if they were to bring in sorry if they were to bring in Anderson. They would want him as the starter. And I don't think they're going to move him at the trade deadline as well. If you look at what Rutherford has done in the past, there's a reason why he kept on to Fleury and Murray before the Vegas expansion draft. There's a reason why he still has Murray and Yari right now. So he's not going to be trading one of Anderson or Yari at the deadline because Anderson, Anderson's a lot better than Yari, in my opinion, right now. So and also if they a lot want more experienced. Yeah, exactly. And if they want to take another shot at the Stanley Cup. They want him on their roster. So I think, I think it, it does make sense for the Penguins, actually, because I think either way, you're going to lose one of the goalies. So why not bring in a stud rental player for a year to help you win now? And then if it doesn't work out, you still got Tristan Yari back there. And you can just let Anderson walk. Or if it does work out, resign Anderson. Uh, I like that. It just and my, Austin Matthews may not be a huge fan of it uh, because I think he's very close with Anderson. Um, okay. I like I like the trade. I just don't know whether or not each team would do it. Maybe if you include a couple more pieces. Uh, I know the Pens are kind of thin on defense, and so are the Leafs. So that's sort of why it might have to be one for one. Because I I think for some reason though, the Penguins might not want that much for Murray like I think the Penguins could literally just ask for like a Janssen a prospect and a pick and the Leafs might not even have to give up Anderson and then they the Leafs swap Anderson for to another team for a defenseman I wouldn't be opposed to that because I don't think Murray's value is like as high as as Freddie yeah it's not and like he did have a great playoffs but regular season he they were flopping back and forth between him Mm -hmm. and Yari so he wasn't even like the full-on starter so I think like the Leafs don't really have to give up too too much I guess wherever Murray goes I just want a defenseman back we'll give you Cody Cece there you go just one not not Cody Cece Martin Marincin that's (laughs) no how about Callie Rosen? I don't, Rosen? I don't need another Jack Johnson. Callie Rosen is not Jack Johnson. Somebody who's actually going to be like effective. He yeah. is effective on the Marlies. Yo, what about Justin Hall? That's a name. That is a name. Okay. Now who's our right side going to look like though? We're going to have Timothy Lidergren as our top def- right-handed defenseman. Travis Dermott, yeah, no. who's a left-handed defenseman. who's. No. <laughs> Okay, There's are we getting into Leafs now? What about Travis? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, Travis now. Dermott. I agree. I agree with that. What about Travis Dermott? Yeah, do it. I, I could, I'd, I'd take Travis Dermott. Why would the Leafs hmm. want to bring back Travis Dermott? 
They so the way the way young and he's good and he's going to be cheap. He had a terrible season but, this year. He's only going to cost them a couple mil max. That's a couple mil too many, Connor. They are tied up against the cap. <laughs> look, th- this is this is this is what I think. I look at a team like like St. Louis, for example, and when they won the Stanley Cup last year, they had Petrangelo, Bomeister, uh, Gunnarsson, Pareko, Edmondson, and uh, Bortuzzo, bigger guys. And then they have one guy who is like the Travis Dermott in Vince Dunn, who is more offensive, uh, skill guy, can play on the power play. You, you really only need one of those guys to win in the league. And right now, the Leafs have Riley, and they also have Rasmus Sandin, who I think they want to play, at least in the bottom six next year. So you're going to bring back Dermott to give you three of those kind of guys? Dermot is just bit an offensive much. guy, though, right? He's, I don't can, trust him. I don't trust him defensively. I know he's played his, on the penalty kill, but no, he's not on the penalty kill. You, you ship you, him out of town. He's a two-way defenseman, right? When you look at his zone entries, he's very, very good at stopping zone entries and making zone entries or making zone exits. He's not the biggest guy. He's not good in front of the net. You, I think, you're talking about a tw- like 23-year-old, right? Yeah, okay. He's still young, and do you really want to give up on a guy who you have control over, who's an RFA, who likes this organization? You can trade him. Likes? You can trade for what? him. What for, you, Matt a, <laughs> for Matt Murray. You're not going to do Travis Dermott straight no, up for Matt not Murray. Not straight. I'm not saying straight up. A package deal. Like trading him a package, in though? a package. They have guys. Kapanen, Janssen could get dealt. Um, I'm not giving up Dermott and Janssen slash Kapanen in a trade for Matt Murray, who's Murray? going to be an RFA. Murray and Johnson for uh, We're not taking Dermot Johnson. We're not taking Jack Meyer. Johnson. If you we'll get we'll take Jack Johnson if you retain fifty percent and give us two first round picks. <laughs> <laughs> that's a the, the, that's a bill where that limit is. The penguins are already expensive. without their first round pick for next year now. Yeah. Because they took the fifteenth this year from Minnesota. Because look, we're uh advanced statistics uh organization and jack johnson's advanced statistics are really good are almost unseen they are so bad um no offense i know this is just hurting you but no like i i could have said that myself like i know man it's awful if you're gonna trade him you're probably gonna trade him to like an ottawa senators or I was going to say Edmonton Oilers, but they got rid of their GM, and now they have someone at least semi-competent. Um, sensible. Vancouver, there's your matchup. Take a couple bottom six guys, whether it be like Louis Erickson. Jack or... Johnson for Quinn Hughes, one for one. That's a trade. Um, Who says no? The NHL. Because that would probably ruin the, ca- uh, the Canucks cap situation. They'd actually have to include someone like a – Willie Erickson in order for that to happen. Um, you know what? For Quinn Hughes, I'd take anything. Yeah. You, you to like Sid- offload Jack Johnson and get Quinn Hughes in return. Sidney Crosby? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, you'd have not, to get him. him. That's, that's what it would take. <laughs> I know. <laughs> or Evgeny Malkin, one of the two. I know. Quinn Hughes isn't going anywhere. That's okay, though. Uh, I... I don't think he's going anywhere, but I could see Brock Besser going somewhere. But we've already you know about I that. would take Brock Besser for, for what? Johnson. Okay, Jack Johnson. 
you're really dreaming if you think you're going to trade Jack Johnson. <laughs> um, I would take anyone for Jack Johnson. It's the same. Quite honestly. The same thing. We're dreaming that we're going to sign Alex Petrangelo. Um, you better not. I don't want. It. I don't want that to like, happen. You don't want Alex Petrangelo. I don't. I I want Alex Petrangelo, but I don't want his cap. I don't want his cap hit. Fair point. No, that is not a fair point. It's Alex Petrangelo. Okay. I mean, that's also a fair point. (laughs) (laughs) I will take Alex Petrangelo's cap hit to have Alex Petrangelo. You're going to have like 50 plus million dollars tied up in like five guys. No, I'll have like $30 million tied up in five guys because I'm trading Mitch Marner if I get Alex Petrangelo. Okay, well, that's different then. That is different. I, I am not opposed to doing that. But if you heard Dubis yesterday in his media availability, he said that he doesn't understand what the critics are saying about Mitch Marner, and he's a big part of this team, and he's not trading him. He's not trading you him. You think that with Darren Ferris and his dad, he's going to go out there and rip Mitch Marner? No, he's not. But he's, exactly. I don't think he's going to trade him. I he didn't need to say that. He didn't need to say, I'm not going to trade Mitch Marner. But he did. Did he say that specifically? Yeah. Well, then he's lying because you trade anybody. If I have a trade offer of Austin Matthews for Connor McDavid, I am taking that trade. Like your due diligence as a general manager of a hockey team is to be willing to trade any single hockey player on your team. Mm -hmm. If the trade is good enough. I agree with that. If I can get a Quinn Hughes or a Kale McCarr for Seth Jones, Seth Jones, which was a question that Dubis got asked yesterday. The question was literally, how do you guys get a Seth Jones? And and Dubis like answered specifically to Jones, like what, what they would have to get. Like we probably have to draft in uh, the top five um, and get a develop a guy like that. But it's true. Like he said uh, yesterday, those trades don't always like those trades don't come out of nowhere. Yeah. They take a lot of work and they have to be there. And with the cap situation that every NHL team's gonna be in, I could see Mitch Marner getting dealt for someone who's very, very good, but I don't know. Would you trade Mitch Marner? I'm gonna ask both of you this. Would you trade Mitch Marner? Um I think one of Marner or William Nylander has to go because the top four is just too expensive. Yeah. I think you have to evaluate the options and you have to figure out which one's right, which one's going to get you further, which one's going to be cheaper. But um, I think for sure they're just making way too much money. Yeah. Well, like the better player out of the two is Marner. Yeah, The guy who's making more money though is Marner. And the, the guy, guy who's overpaid who probably is Marner. can't trade is Marner. So I I think Willie is worth his contract. Same. And like disagree if yeah, okay. I think I think he definitely is. I know he didn't have the strongest playoffs. I, say, I don't think he performed to what he can. No. In the regular season though, he put but, up thirty goals. And for a guy yeah, who makes fine. less just less than seven million dollars who can score thirty is is great. And mm-hmm. everybody's like upset about the way he played in game five, but he didn't play center like basically throughout the entire year. And you're just throwing him at the center role for the most important game of the year. So that's gotta be hard on him. Um, mm-hmm. 
I I would prefer them. Uh, it's it's tricky because I do like Marner a lot more than than Willie as a player. But just in terms of money, I would prefer them to trade Marner. Yeah. Let me propose a trade just for fun because why not? Would you do Brady Kachuk and Nikita Zaitsev for Mitch Marner? What are you saying? What? What am I saying? I'm saying you're taking about $4 million back. You're getting a guy like Brady Kachuk who's Brady Kachuk is not that good. <laughs> he's not that good right now. He's, he's a not... left winger. No. Center left winger. So he's filling that role for you. You are getting a right like you have to get a first, first, first round name pick, I saw. First round pick or something. They're... Okay. The trade is basically Marner for Kachuk cuz Zaitsev The Leafs don't want Zaitsev. They would flop him for someone else. Didn't he used to be a Leaf? Yeah, he did. Yes, he and did. he was yeah, awful. I was gonna say. Okay, maybe Ottawa doesn't work. They yeah, good pieces. Not. Um, what about where am I? There I am. Uh, let's look at New Jersey because they have the cap space. Okay, um, I, I have a I have a trade. All right, <clears throat> this has turned into the trade proposal episode. <clears throat> Would you trade Mitch Marner to Carolina? Oh no. For Jacob Slavin, and I'll say a second-round pick. Can they even do that? Because of cap? Yeah. I don't know. I just off the top of my head, but in okay, a non-salary well, cap world, maybe. I don't know. I don't know who they'd <laughs> have to take back. Uh, they'd have to take someone good back, like. Uh, I'd be tough. I don't know. I don't know if that money works. Okay, what about Nylander for Slavin? One for one. I don't know if Carolina does that. Everybody hates Nylander for some reason, even though he's good. Because remember, that was like a trade proposal before he signed his contract. People were saying, trade him to Carolina. I think it was for Brett Pesci. But I don't think that's a bad trade. No, I don't think it is. I just... Uh, it's tough like i would do it you're trading a very 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 good player uh in mitch marner and you need to try to get equal value back um maybe you can do that with the devils where you take someone like a damon severson and one of their young guys um they've got a lot of good centers maybe like a nico heischer because um, he's not signed for a ton. He's only 7.25, but Severson's sitting at four. So that's probably around Marner's contract. Um, I don't know. I think trading Marner is an interesting proposition for the Leafs, uh, whether or not they actually do it, who knows. But we should talk about the other um, tr- ideas for this offseason. I don't know if, how much we want to add to this Columbus Leafs series. Um, if you get either of you have any thoughts on it in terms of their play. They played so well defensively. You got to give credit to Corpus Allo and John Tortorella for the whole game plan that they did. And 
Um, Leafs just didn't get lucky. Like, they played well in game five. They just didn't get the puck luck. Um, I think, you know, game one was their worst game. They played well in game two. You got to find a way to win game three. There, there should not be concern when you're up 3 nothing in a game. You know, you should be able to close out those games. Game four was a miracle that really shouldn't have happened, so they should have been done in four. And then game five was just, like I said, just puck luck. Didn't go the Leafs way. Fair. Kennedy, do you have anything to add? I think Aiden pretty much hit it all. I mean, the Leafs didn't play bad. I think they actually played pretty well the whole series, but I think they got outgoalied. Yeah, yeah. Like, Freddie played well, but but he didn't play as well as Corpusalo, and I think ultimately that was the downfall. Mm-hmm. Yep, that second goal in the game five should not have gone in. That that was rough. That was a bad one. That that line change. Everything was wrong mm-hmm. about that play. The line Everything change. Everything was just yeah. terrible. Yeah. Goal, Marinchin. Yeah. All right, let's move on from the depressing stuff and talk more about the optimism and stuff that I like to talk about in the offseason. Um, I want to know, who is unavailable or who would you not trade this offseason? If you're the Leafs, who is not touchable? Tavares Matthews. That it? Yeah. I think that's pretty much it. Tavares I think Matthews. I want to say like Marner is mostly untouchable, but I think if the right thing comes around, it that could change. Morgan Riley's untouchable for me. Yep. Uh, because that contract is very good and you need him. I'd say probably Jake Muzzin as well, because mm-hmm. the stuff that he said yesterday in his press conference was very promising. And I think he's a good leader. Uh, I'd probably also have Zach Hyman on that list because he is, he just works on every single line and he's good in the press and everything like that. He's just a good outside of the room. I wouldn't um, say he's untouchable, though. Yeah, I, I don't know about untouchable. I would say, like, even a guy like... Like, Muslin's a great player. They they should not trade him. He's not untouchable, though. I think... I think Riley, like, I think, Tavares, Matthews. Yeah. Maybe... Like, even, you know what? Muzzin. You know what? Riley might not even be untouchable. If there's a better defenseman that they can get for him who plays on the right side, then they do it. The issue is, I don't think you get someone of equal quality... For him, at the same cap hit. True. You'd have to take on more money. Mm-hmm. That's why I think he's untouchable. And why a but guy like also Marner he's isn't. A free, he's a free agent next year, though. Riley? I'm pretty sure he has an extra year, doesn't he? No, no. I think he's... Oh. I think he's up the Freddy year. I'll double check. Huh. I thought he had an extra year on him. Interesting. I think on guys like Hyman, Muzzin, even like Riley, I don't think they're shopping them. But if the right thing comes up, they might not say no. Yeah, I, I like that. So too. Um, no, Riley does have another year. 21, 22 okay. is his last year. Yeah, that's what I thought. And that's the year that the TV money gets all thrown in. Although they're not upping the salary cap. Uh, so your untouchables are Matthews and Tavares. And that's it. I would have to agree with that, yeah. And then I guess hard to trade, you'd include the Rileys, the Muzzins, the Hymans, the Neilanders. Maybe not Hyman. 
I think not even. Yeah, I guess I guess Muzzin and Riley, and Marner. Marner's hard to trade. I, I think they'd fit yeah. under like not not shopping, but not opposed to a trade. Yeah, I like that. So, what would your offseason moves be then? Um, so I'm looking at like their forward core, and so they got um, like I'm pretty comfortable with the Leafs' forward core heading into next year. Like they're gonna have Hyman, Matthews, Marner. If if it stays the same right now. Uh, they also brought in Alexander Barabanov, who is a 25-year-old, skilled, speedy guy. You can probably play top nine right away. But yet again, it's kind of similar to what they already have. Like, he's similar to a Janssen-Kapanen-type player. You're going to think that Robertson will make the team out of camp as well, so you're getting another guy who's similar to that style of play as well. Um, Clifford, they're, they're going to have to re-sign. Um, I think they should do it if he's cheap. Uh, to play, play on no, the fourth no, line. No, 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 no. Because if they re-sign him, if they re-sign him, they have to give up a second-round pick instead of a third. Hmm. That's, That's one of the things in that trade. It was that, and if Campbell plays, it was that or Campbell plays and wins, like, 10 games. Okay. Or it might have been six Yeah, games. I don't know if you do it then. It's tough. I don't know. That's tough. I don't know how much the Leafs really want Clifford, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess it would depend on how bad they want him, how well he's doing. Yeah. I think just, like, the main concern is the defense, obviously, and, like, the the only two guys, or I guess three guys that are, I would say two guys that are a lock, Riley and Muzzin on the left side, and then you got to fill out the right side. You need a guy who can play alongside of Riley. That should be the first priority. Then you, the second thing should be a guy you can play on the second pair with Muzzin on the right side. And then on the third pair, I'm comfortable with having Sandine or Dermot and then Hall. I think those guys are meant to play bottom six roles. I don't think Hall is at that top four level yet. He will develop into that, I think, if he keeps going on this trend. And yeah, he's Dermot. 28. Yeah, but he's only been in the league for like two years. Okay, but how much more developing is he going to do? I think he can develop a lot under Keith. I know, I know he's 28 years old, but we have seen improvement. So I think he's going to keep improving. And he's getting, getting bigger roles. Like when uh, CeCe, Muzzin, and Riley were all out of the lineup, this guy was playing like top pair minutes, and he looked okay. He was on the penalty kill. So, yeah, like maybe he squeaks into the top four at some point in his career. But for right now, at least, he's good in the top six with a guy like Sandine or Dermot. So two defensemen, right-handed, and I'm also going to say bottom six leadership guys. I think you need to add guys with a bit more experience, um, guys that um, are hungry to win still, but guys who have the playoff experience and know how to win around, et cetera. Um, I know, Connor, you threw in Joe Thornton in, in the dock. Like, yeah, they could go after him, but I think they should also go after guys who can like, still play like, like, I know Thornton can still play, but he's he's trending downwards. Um, yeah, I think yeah, bottom six leadership, and then uh, two top four right-handed defensemen, which is going to be hard to find. Number one move for me is re-signing Jason Spezza. That's a number one. Yeah, I well because I think it would be done like that, so it would just be getting it off your plate. Um, 
and not having to worry about it. And I think he fits in really well with this team. And he has absolutely no ego. He's clearly had an influence on the young kids. So I like him. Uh, I, that'd be my first move. If you can get Joe Thornton, I think that could be a really fun that'd be fourth sick, line. Yeah. Um, Thornton, Spezza, and then maybe Marlowe. You bring him back. <laughs> he will not come back. Uh, Friedman did say in 31 Thoughts that he'll be on Toronto's radar but it likely won't be both Spezza and Thorne on the Leafs. Right, right. So who knows what happens there. Um, we are running out of time on this call, and I do want to keep going on this Leafs stuff because there's a lot to actually digest. Uh, but we'll do a couple of things rapid fire. Um, we sort of did the Freddy stuff. What would be on your checklist? So these are the things that you have to address. There's, it, it's not if you can, it's you must. Like you can't survive without addressing it. Um, oh, it's the Leafs. They can, they can do nothing and, and, and cover up for it. But um, let's see. I would say definitely add one top four right-handed defenseman. And then in a dream world, they get two. But definitely get at least one to play alongside of Riley. And yeah, I, I would feel comfortable with that. And then, like, if they can't get two of them, then add another top six guy. Add, like, a Joel Edmondson to play on the bottom pair or a, dare I say, a Roman Polak to, to bring back and, and, and play on the bottom pair. You need, you need is, depth. You need depth. Roman Polak can't play. He's signed in the Czech League. Um, oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um, he's done in the NHL. He wasn't, it, I think there were rumors he wasn't even going to come for the playoffs because he was so done in the NHL. Um, but... I don't know. Kennedy, what is your list? I was going to say sign a defenseman. I think for the Leafs, the forwards is there. Goaltending's there. It's just the defense that really needs to be addressed. Yeah. All right. And with that, I guess we will take a quick little break, and then we'll come back and finish off with the Leafs assistant coaches situation and whether who you would like the Leafs to sign. So we'll be right back. All right, let's finally finish off this Leafs talk because we have been going on for them for like half an hour. Um, and we should probably get to the other NHL stuff. But quickly, are there any interesting upcoming free agents, UFAs, that you would like the Leafs to sign this year? Uh, I have a couple that I saw we were mentioned in 31 Thoughts that Elliot Freeman threw out there. That might be possibilities. And Mark Borowicki, uh, who is the defenseman on the Ottawa Senators, and Radko Gudis, who I've been pushing the Leafs to acquire for a couple of years now. Um, do you think those are both possibilities? And who are any interesting UFAs that you think the Leafs could potentially try and sign? Petrangelo is off the list because there's no way they could afford him. Um, I, I know Borowicki is good in like the locker room. And... I don't know how good he is, like on ice, but I mean, I would maybe like a top six, like bottom pairing guy, maybe or maybe just for depth. Um, as for Gudis, I think it's it's kind of the same thing. Like I don't see him entering the top four at all. He'd just be that bottom pairing guy. I can see I, being a yeah, number four. Top four, really? Hmm. Yeah. On a good team, he's not though. I don't think he is. I think he's on a good he's defensive top, team. On a good defensive team, he's not. Like, We're not exactly a good defensive team. True. 
I, I just think there could be better, I guess. Like, I, I would feel really comfortable with having Gudis on the bottom pair. That's solid. But top four, and, like, I, he's pretty slow, too. So I don't know if he's that mobile with the puck. And I don't know if the Leafs want that in the top four. Um, let's take a look. I think uh, Justin Braun is a nice option for the top six. Bottom pairing guy. He shouldn't be too expensive. He's right-handed. He's six foot two, which is kind of what the Leafs are lacking in size. Um, and he put up a, a decent year with, with Philly this year, 20 points in 60 games, almost 20 assists. So decent, um, other names. And I think this guy could be in the top four, Chris Tanev. And he's also been rumored to be going to the Leafs the past couple of years. Um, not the right-handed guy. I know he's, he's good in the room. He's, he's looked good so far, um, with Vancouver in the playoffs, I'm not a fan of the hair. You might have to get a haircut. But other than that, I think he's solid. I think if you he's get a good Chris, leader. Yeah, Chris Tanev and, and Justin Braun would be would be solid. And I don't think they'll be too expensive. Like you might be able to tie up um six million dollars into the two of them. Maybe. Are there any sort of on your list, Kennedy? Um, I think both of them are probably going to get re-signed exactly where they are, but someone like um, TJ Brody or Travis Hamanick, um, they could definitely crack the top four in the Leafs, if not top six. So, um, I mean, like I said, they'll both probably stay in Calgary, but um, they're definitely still good defensemen to keep your eye on, and they shouldn't be too expensive either. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be tough for the Leafs to sign someone of that caliber but who knows i'm <laughs> i'm not the gm of the toronto Maple Leafs, and i'm not involved in those negotiations uh let's tie this back quickly to because i do want to get the pens in this one more time uh before we move on to the coaches and the draft lottery and all that fun stuff um who are on your pens ufa list uh we'll mainly go with you kennedy oh man i don't even know i hadn't even thought about that <laughs> Uh, hang on. Let me let me pull up a list of UFAs. All right, and I'll delay. Uh, I think they probably could use a couple of maybe depth forwards. Uh, they're always looking for yeah. that, and probably as you mentioned earlier, a couple of defensemen. Um, whether or not they acquire that in a trade potentially with involving Matt Murray or Tristan Jari um, or even Casey DeSmith. Yeah, honestly. I've been looking more at trades than free agency. Um, I know they're losing like Justin Schultz. They're losing Connor Sherry. Well, maybe not losing them, but that's who's a free, like UFA um, come the end of the season. Um, I don't know. Definitely defenseman. I don't care who. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Con- losing Connor defenseman. Sherry is going to be a little tough. Um, he honestly, he wasn't great when he came back over to Pittsburgh though. Okay. Like he he was all right, but he wasn't. Like a standout, right? I think they could, they could do without. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Like, they have sort of borderline needs, but they could sort of get by with anything. It yeah. might just be that filling that Justin Schultz position. Yeah, like, um, I think I think they're a contender no matter what. I don't know how far they go, but I think they make the playoffs next year no matter what they do. It'd be nice if they could make some moves and get back to where they were because they looked like they were going to be really good following 2017's cup win 
and then that obviously didn't happen so um yeah I think it's just important to kind of look at your assets look at who you have and look at who can work with those assets in either free agency or in a trade would you be open to a coach trade because we'll happily give you Dave Haxtell for a fourth round pick uh because <laughs> you will need to fill that coaching um yeah, void that's, so that's going to be an issue i don't know what is going to go on behind the bench but mm-hmm. yeah it's sort of the same boat the leafs are in right now and because they have paul mcfarland who's leaving to i believe coach ohl kingston um i think you're right yeah yeah i know he's going to kingston i think it's ohl um but they're going to have to fill that void and there are some, I saw a couple of rumors that Hackstall really only came to the Leafs to learn under Babcock. Um, and now that Babcock is no longer there, he might want to leave. So the Leafs might have a couple of assistant coach openings. Um, who do they replace them with? I saw Friedman throw this out there uh, in his article, 31 thoughts. Again, it's gold. It is literal gold. Um, Bruce Boudreaux could potentially be an option for the Leafs, which I would love because Bruce Boudreaux Boudreaux is a great coach, Uh, but he would have to be an assistant and we don't really know if that's what they want. That's what he wants to do. I'm sure the Leafs would like him, but yeah, I think both teams are in a very interesting sort of cat position and coaching position and everything along those lines, um, which would have helped a lot if they'd won the draft lottery, uh, which the Rangers did. Just heartbreak for Leafs fans if you follow Corwin uh, from Bar, uh, Bar Dam oh my God. on Twitter. He posted a picture of the slow-mo balls bouncing around and the Leafs ball missing by literal millimeters in terms of going in and winning the first overall pick before the Ranger ended up, uh, Rangers ball ended up getting chosen. So heartbreak for Leafs fans. Congratulations to the New York Rangers. They're picking top three for a second time in the past two years after they took Capo Caco last season. They're probably going to take Alexis Lafreniere. Uh, I feel like it's probably safe to say. I don't know, maybe minor league. Uh, Person, Kennedy, maybe you know a bit more about what they need and what they could use. I know Quentin Byfield could potentially be in the conversation. No, you I would definitely sort of, take Lafreniere. You would take Lafreniere? <laughs> oh, yeah. You think like he's... every time. So there's I a big think... gap between the two? Yeah. Honestly, I don't, I don't think Byfield plays in the NHL next year. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I don't, think, I don't think he's ready. I really don't. Huh. What about Stutzel? I haven't watched him much, honestly. Okay. I haven't I haven't seen much of him. Um, I think I know he's he different. played for Germany in the World Juniors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think but, he's different because he can't go back to his OHL team because he didn't play yeah. in the OHL. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. No, I don't know. I think, like, watching Byfield in the OHL and even at the World Juniors, like, he didn't stand out to me at the World Juniors at all. And if you're not going to stand out among, like, the best in your age group, then how are you going to stand out in – like the biggest league in the world. Yeah, he True. didn't get many minutes on Team Canada in the World no. Juniors. So, yeah, I think Lafreniere is like the produce kid. like yeah he didn't produce like he was supposed to either. Mm-hmm. So like he was good in the O, but he was also on a pretty solid team. 
Like, so I feel could even drop to like three or four if, if yeah. the team. I wouldn't like, be surprised. Really? I really wouldn't. Yeah. Huh. I thought he was like a guaranteed number two. Like, he's a big kid. He's also, like, kind of small, though. Like, he's tall, but he's, like, really skinny. I don't know if he has the muscle to play in the NHL next year. I think he had it pushed around. Okay, well, maybe he stays in the OLA for another year yeah. and then matures a bit more and gets into yeah. the NHL the year after. You think that's sort of I – think, I think that's what he needs, to be honest with you. I don't – if he went right to the NHL, I don't think he'd develop properly. I think he'd, he'd – uh, might end up being a bust if that happened. Maybe not a wow. full bust, but like, yeah. like a Dylan Strom, and then uh, and then he bounces back like when yeah. he gets traded. Yeah, hmm. or like a like a yeah, something like that. Even like he could be like a Mitch Marner, like just give him a year to develop, and then yeah, like, he comes up the next year. Yeah. yeah. So, who are some players you think we should watch in the OHL draft or in the NHL draft this year? Who are your notable players? Oh man. Um, I think Marco Rossi, he's mm-hmm. unreal. Honestly, like coming from a Bulldogs fan, they played Ottawa so much and Marco Rossi stands out every time. He's like stupid good, honestly. Um, so I think he makes the NHL next year for sure. Um, Jamie Drysdale, he's, uh, he's pretty solid too. He's really good on the blue line for Erie and Erie's not a very good team either so um i think he he definitely stands out he'll be he'll go in the top five i think um mm-hmm. yeah okay do you think there's going to be some sort of sleeper pick later later in the draft uh, i don't know i haven't really looked too much into it past the first round honestly i'm not just saying this because he's a bulldog but <laughs> um Logan Morrison, he plays, he's a center for the Bulldogs. He put up, he's 20 goal scorer this year. Um, he's projected to go, I think like 190th or something. Okay. And if he goes that late, he's going to be a steal. 100%. Really? Because yeah, I think the kid has a lot of potential. I've heard a lot of people like within the organization say the same thing. Um, but he's definitely like third or fourth round worthy. So if he drops to the sixth or seventh round, whoever takes him is lucky. At really, is he a small guy? He's small. He's like 5'11", yeah. That feels like a Dubas pick. I know I'm just, just saying this is the Leafs fan, honestly, but that seems... Honestly, yeah, I could see it. it. That I feels like a Dubas pick to me. I could see it, yeah. No, small, he's, skilled he's a guy. really, really good player. Fun to watch. Huh. So I guess the draft... We should do, like, right before the draft, we should just get a bunch of the people in our program who like all do draft stuff, whether it be you, Kyle Watson, I think Rain uh, Hernandez has yeah. done some stuff as well. Rain, like we Rain's just... more like OHL draft stuff, but. Oh, he's more, okay. Well, I think we should try to get all the prospect people I together. Mean, and like he's definitely still a prospect person. Like he could definitely still do this. I, I think we have an idea coming and that could be really cool. Um, depending I'd on how that. busy we are with online classes, but. I'd yeah. do that. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, that's cool. All right, so there's an idea potentially to look out for in the future. Um, uh, we'll see if we do it. We'll see if we even remember to do it. If you want us to do it, remind us. Um, I'd say odds are I'll probably I'll probably forget. Maybe to remember. I don't know. Fifty fifty here. When's um, the draft gonna be? We don't. Even, do we know that? I think October. It's, I think. Yeah, October. I'm in October. Okay. 
I, I think they set a date, haven't they? I forget. It's like mid-October. I don't remember. Yeah. I know the last possible day for the cup final is the 4th. So, yeah, October. probably mid-October. Mid so to like late October. Gives them about usually a month before. Like, yeah, I was going to say, usually the draft's like a few weeks after the cup final. So Yeah, and then like a month before the season restarts. Mm-hmm. Maybe. If, when, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. Um, let's sort of touch quickly, because we haven't gone for a while, uh, on Edmonton. Losing to Chicago, uh, basically, do you think Edmonton should be worried after this series? Huh. I haven't thought too much about it, but no. I, I'm i not sure, actually. Like, they have arguably the two best players in the world in McDavid and Dreisaitl. And then, like, on defense, they got Darnell Nurse, but they could use some help on their backside. Um, I think a guy that I actually think they should go after is Mike Hoffman and put him alongside of McDavid. This guy's like, mm. he might be a 50 goal scorer if he plays alongside of him and he's not going to be too expensive, at least right now. So I think they should go after him. Also help your uh, defensive core more and then decide on who you want to have in net Koskinen or Smith. I think, I think right now it's Koskinen. I'd go with Koskinen. But I would also maybe even look at other options, maybe like a Robin Lehner they bring in because he's a free agent um, or trade. I think they really need to solidify their, their goalie of the future, and then they'll be set. And I think Chicago was just like a one-off thing. Like Chicago's been playing well. Even in the Vegas game, they, they looked okay, even though the score didn't really show that. Mm-hmm. Um. It, it's it's just a weird situation we're all in right now. And I don't think, like, like the Oilers had a great regular season. I don't think they should judge it just based on this five games. So, I wouldn't yeah, I worry. Agree. We have some breaking news from the Blue Jackets PR. Cam Atkinson and Nathan Gerby will miss today's game two versus Tampa. Unfit to play. So, Devin Shore and Emil Benstrom are drawing in the lineup. Unfit to play? They have to say that. So they might have tested positive? They're injured. They have to say that. Like, even if they're injured, if they're missing the game, they're unfit to play. Um, mm. So odds are they're hurt, but mm. we don't actually know. Um, I feel like if they, were, if they tested positive, the game wouldn't happen to begin with. So Maybe. Maybe. Because like, the rest of the team probably wouldn't yeah, true. be able to do that. Who knows? Um do you have any sort of thoughts on Edmonton Kennedy? As someone who lives with an Oilers fan, and my best friend is also an Oilers fan, so I'm around this team quite a bit, actually. Um, I don't think they should be too worried, honestly. Um, same kind of thing that happened with Pittsburgh. They just didn't really get pucks to the net, at least not as many as they should have gotten to the net. Um, in order to score, my dad always taught me, in order to score, it doesn't have to be pretty, but what matters is that the puck crosses the line in order to do that. You got to get pucks and bodies to the net. So I think they just got outworked. They got outplayed and ultimately Chicago came out on top. Yeah. It's going to be a tough series for Chicago either way. Um, I think Edmonton shouldn't be worried. I don't think they're going to resign Andreas Athanasiu. Uh, I think they're just going to let him walk because of his arbitration rights but who knows? Uh, they're going to have to make some serious changes in that because 
Mike Smith is not it. Uh, I think we've known that for a while now, but he's still getting contracts. Um, so we'll see what they do. It's going to be a tough offseason for them. Another tough offseason is going to be for the Florida Panthers because they just fired or parted ways with Dale Talon, uh, their general manager. What do you guys think of that situation? Um, I don't know if Talon is really the guy to blame because – like you can blame him for the Bobrovsky thing, which was, which still could work out. Like it's one year Bobrovsky. He didn't have a good year. Yes. You paid him a lot of money, but he could bounce back. And maybe it's just the one year where he's like still getting used to everything and it's a new team and he's learning everything, but I would give him a chance. Um, I really like the hiring of Joel Quenville. I think he brings a lot of experience to that team. Um, but ultimately, it just comes down to the success that the Panthers weren't having. And they have been you know, rumored to be contending for the past maybe three years now. And they haven't either made the playoffs or, or yeah, they haven't made the playoffs because this year didn't even count as, as playoffs, really. So that's unacceptable for a team with this much talent in Barkov and Huberto, they got to be better. So I'm sure Daniel Janikis is pretty upset. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they got to be better. Yeah. I think first Florida, they just need a change. It's as easy as that. And that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. I have to agree with that. They've made a couple of changes in during the season when they traded Vincent Trocek, which we can talk about whether or not that trade was good or not uh, on another day. But yeah, they're in a very interesting position. Um, let's wrap up the show. And as you know, as everybody knows, if you've watched the show for at least an episode, we do a segment at the end of every show called Hot Takes, where we each give a hot take, which every single time come, is not true and always flops completely and utterly terribly. Uh, for instance, I said the MLB would be the first league back. And that fell on its face. Uh, I also said the Toronto Raptors would go undefeated and the next game they've lost. So you hit and miss with these. I think Aiden, you called the Babcock firing, but we need to give some hot takes. So who would like to start with their hot take? Absolutely not <laughs> because nobody's prepared <laughs> a hot take. So, I have a couple in I mind. Mean, I'm just considering. <laughs> I, I can go. Okay. All right. If you have one prepared. Okay. The Canucks are going to make the Stanley Cup final. That is steaming hot. Holy cow. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. can see that. I could okay. not. They looked okay. good last night, at least. I think they looked really good last night. I think they've looked, they looked good in the Minnesota series as well. Um, those were two pretty close teams, and they lost the one game and won the next three. So, honestly, I think... Um, they're a young team. They have a young core and they're all working together. They're led by Bo Horvat, who again, 25 years old, super young, but um, he's experienced in the league. He leads by example, honestly. Um, I think they have even like a couple depth guys in like Jake Vertanen, you know, he took a while to develop, but he scored 20 goals this year. So I think he's a pretty solid option on their third line. Um, obviously they have Quinn Hughes on the line going to win the Calder I think 
Um, so, yeah, I think they have a good squad. They've been looking really, really good so far, and they beat the defending champions last night. So I think they definitely have a chance to go far. That's a very, very hot take. That's a, the hottest one we've had in a while. Um, I, I like hot takes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clearly. Um, do you have your Stanley Cup prediction? I'm going to start asking everybody from now on. Um, oh, I hate to say it, but Philly looks really good. You think it's going to be Philly, Vancouver I, in the final? Uh, okay. Honestly, I I don't actually think Vancouver is going to make the final. I think they could. But <laughs> it's a hot take for a, re- for a reason. It is a hot, a hot take. take for a reason. I think they could, but I think they might lose to Colorado. Yeah, Colorado would. So I I'd, mm-hmm. I'd take Colorado over Philly in the final. All right. It's a pretty good, pretty good pick. Aiden, do you have one yet? Yeah, I guess so. I, I wish it could be better. Um, yeah. let's, I'm going back to what we said about the Penguins and the Murray and Yari and maybe them getting Frederick Anderson in some way. Um, I'm going to say that Frederick Anderson will be the first ever goalie of the Seattle Kraken. I think the Penguins protect Yari. I think the trade does happen. Anderson goes to Pittsburgh, and the Penguins protect Yari, and then they lose Anderson in the expansion draft, and then vague, and then uh, Seattle uh, uh, signs him. Is it bold of me to say that I don't even think that even if the trade happens, that could happen? Like, I think the Leafs could just not re-sign him, and they will take him, or, like, sign him in free agency? Can uh, yeah yeah that that's also a possibility. Can they sign free agents? Yeah, why couldn't no, they? but like but like from oh yeah, true. You're right. Yeah, they could do. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that happening too. It's gonna be Seattle's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be very interesting. My hot take, my hot take is the Leafs aren't gonna make as many changes as people think they are. I think one of Janssen, Kapanen, Kerfoot goes. I think it's probably Janssen, and nobody else does. I think they re-sign Dermot. They add, like, one defenseman in free agency, and they go with that. I don't know I mean, if that's very hot I or could, not. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that, too, which sucks. <laughs> which really sucks. <laughs> A single tear strolls down Aiden's face. If, if Kyle Dubas brings back Cody Cece, I might stop being a fan. <laughs> I, I won't, yeah. but like it, it'll be very hard. And yeah, the one thing that I, I didn't mention, like in his media availability yesterday, he was commenting on the defensemen and he was saying that he really liked the defensive core in the playoffs. And then Brandon Shanahan, when he was responding to that question, he said like, um, we have to get a lot better defensively and we have to bring in better defensemen to this team. So it seemed like their thoughts kind of conflicted each other, which which kind of, you know, is, is a little bit well, scary if they're not on the be, same page. You can be good defensively without having good defensemen. Right? True, you're right. But it seemed like the way Shanahan was speaking is like from a player's, like they need to add better defensemen in terms of players, right? And then Dubas was saying like, I don't mind the defensemen that we have and we played well defensively in this series. Like he said, we only gave up, like 10 goals, five on five in the series. And that's two goals against the game, which is good. But you have to look throughout the course of the year as well with the same defensive core. And they were awful at keeping the puck out of the net. 
Um, so yeah, he well he also said in the series, right? Yeah, in the true. series they were good defensively, but you can't just the rest base of it the off season of that. they weren't. You cannot just we're... base it off of that because the Blue Jackets couldn't score. The Blue Jackets That's aren't true. known to score goals, and you yeah. put a, put them against a team like Tampa Bay, they're gonna light you up. I guess we're getting sidetracked, and I think we need yeah. to. Yeah, we got to end this thing. Pull the plug on this podcast because we have been doing this for a very long time. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, <laughs> I was just reading it. We should probably mention this. Uh, Claude Julian was taken to hospital last night with chest pains, and there was an update. Uh, Elliot Friedman just retweeted saying Mark Bergevin is saying that he received some good news on his health uh, earlier this afternoon. So okay, good. There's that. Thoughts are with Claude Julian. Hopefully he's. Uh, healthy but yeah ending on that sad note uh thank you for listening we really really appreciate it uh thank you kennedy for coming on the podcast we appreciate it immensely uh we will link all of your stuff down below in the comments of the youtube or in the description of the youtube video and by say we i mean aiden um thank you for listening we'll be back next week with a podcast uh watch playoffs Go teams, Canes? Go Canes because James Reimer. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. We will see you next week and goodbye.